Welcome to Chicago West Sunday Sermons, where we encourage with the gospel of Jesus Christ, equip within Christ-centered community, and engage with good works. This week, we will hear a sermon from Pastor Kent Steiner. Well, hey, we're in the series called Come Follow Me, and that's in the book of Mark, all right. Uh, that's good. Uh, we've had a few messages uh, going through this, and we're going to continue uh, right in chapter 2 in verse uh, 13. And so as you're turning there in your Bible or you're getting that up on your phone, uh, here's something just to be thinking about as we're about to read God's Word. Um, here is, uh, you've heard this acronym, right? WWJD. You know, there's like wristbands of that. What would Jesus do? And, uh, and so I, I think that's good that sometimes I have something just with you to be thinking about, man, in a situation, right? You know, for me, it's sort of like, you know, when traffic's going on, man, what would Jesus do in this moment? Because it's not what I'm thinking, feeling, uh, going on, but whatever that is, actually stop at times and just ask the question, what would Jesus do? Um, but what's great is, as we're jumping in to Mark chapter two here, is the acronym could actually be what, uh, WDJD, what did Jesus do? So we're not just trying to figure out what Jesus would do. We're actually seeing, right? What D- Jesus did do. And so as you look at uh, Mark chapter two, starting verse 13, be thinking about that. What did Jesus do right here? What is it that he is showing to us? So let's read uh, starting in verse 13. He went out again besides the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, what did they say? Why, did, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Amen for God's word. Well, here's the truth that we're in this morning is that Jesus exhibits, he exhibits what he expects. So as we get in God's word here this morning, let's see what he exhibits so we, so we know what he expects of us as his followers. And let's pray for him to do just that. God, I thank you for this time here this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to to not just see what you did for us, what you did for others, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would show us then as you've exhibited this, what it is that you would have for us. How would you have us to live this out? Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to gather together in your name and what it is that you have given to us. Lord, but also, Lord, you have given it to us so that we can give it away. And so, Lord, move in and through us. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, as, uh, as you're just starting here, I just want you to think about something real quick. Think about just maybe one or two people that have been very positively influential in your life. 
All right, you thinking about that right now? One or two people that are positively influential in your life. I'm sure there's a wide range of people being thought about right now and, and considered, uh, but here's the thing that I almost guarantee is true about all the people that, that we are thinking about right now. And it's this, is that they are, they are people that when they tell somebody to do something, they also do it. They do what they say to do, right? And so as you're thinking about that, because as you think, the last thing you want is somebody to tell you to do something, expect you to do something they are unwilling to do. And so as you think about that, what, what would you call somebody uh, that doesn't do what they expect others to do? Hypocrite. That was right there. All right, hypocrite, yes. And so as we think about that, maybe even think about, you know, what, what, what characteristics make up of a hypocrite? That wouldn't be someone we'd want as a role model, right? Somebody that isn't doing what they're expecting others to do. But here's what is also true. That's why maybe many of people came to our mind. It's powerful, right? It's powerful when somebody is doing and living out what they expect you to do, what they are seeking after you to have for yourself. See, we see here in Mark chapter 2 that Jesus exhibits the ministry that he expects of us. And so let's uh, step right into it. Here's the first example that he exhibits uh, for us in uh, verse 13. It's participation in ministry. And the kind of participation is to step into present ministry. So if you got your notes there, that's exactly where we're at. Participation in ministry were to step into present ministry. Where does that uh, come from? Let's go to verse 13. And it says, he went out again besides the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. So here's the first thing, is that Jesus steps away from ministry for intimacy, See that right here, first thing, he says, he went out again besides the sea. Um, I was just recently at a conference with a few of us from the church, and somebody who was speaking shared this very thing that Jesus actually stepped away from people, stepped away from ministry for a purpose. So he would go to the sea, he would go to the mountains, he would get away, and the reason why he was getting away was to connect with his father. So let's look at that specifically where that's recorded. And uh, let's look at Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. This is actually one of six examples in the Gospels where Jesus did this very thing. It says, in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So he was committed. Uh, communing with God the Father. He had a purpose to get away from people in ministry so that he could be connected to God the Father before he stepped into uh, ministry. That is so vital, right? To be connected to the Lord before we do anything for the Lord. We have to have what he has for us before we have anything else to give to others. So step away from ministry for intimacy. Here's the second thing that Jesus exhibits. He steps into ministry from intimacy. 
So he seeks out intimacy, but then that intimacy then brings him then to love others. And so his ministry is out of love because of what the father has done for him. We see that there in verse 13, as he says, um, and he was teaching them because he loves them. See, sharing the good news of the gospel is actually loving people. But again, if, you're, if you feel sometimes distant to loving people, here's Jesus' example to us that first we have to know we are loved by God. And in being know we are loved by God, then we are able then to love others and step into the present ministry that he has for us. So this is what Jesus exhibits. So what does he expect then of his Christ followers? What is it he expects us to do? Well, it's to step into intimacy with him. How can we, how can we do that? Let's look at uh, John chapter uh, 15 and verses 4 and 5. And again, this is just the way for us then if we're trying to follow Christ's example how to do this. This is Jesus saying specifically, right? Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So again, when it comes to following Jesus' example, we have to be connected to our Lord. We just sang, right, that there's nothing better than you. And so again, let's press into what it is that the Lord has uh, given to us in a way to connect uh, with him. But here's the next thing. If we're going to be stepping into present ministry, is we have to not be sitting back on the past. If we're going to step into present ministry, we can't be sitting back on the past. And here's what I, I know is that maybe for some of you, at some point in time, you're very involved in a ministry, very involved in a situation, and God was at work, and man, that was an exciting time, and you're very grateful for that. Praise God, right? But here's just a reminder, right, that there's, no retirement from ministry, right? That this is a lifetime calling that we've been given. And we can't just keep pointing to the back because Jesus was stepping into the present. He had so much he could point to in the back, but he was continually trusting the Lord, right, to take the next step into the ministry that God had given to him. So that's one, not sitting back on the past. Here's the second thing, right? is that we can't not be standing back because of what has or hasn't happened. So here's the thing, just a, you know, a thing that as a pastor to uh, you here, our loved ones, our, my sisters and brothers in Christ, there have been challenges for me in ministry. I know there's probably been challenges for you in, in the ministry that God has called you to. And maybe right now as you're thinking about ministry, you're very disappointed, maybe you're very discouraged because you thought some things were going to happen that haven't happened. Anybody been there? 
that, that you're thinking about the things that haven't happened. You feel like, man, God, this should be going on, but, it, but it's not. Or the flip side, right? Something has happened that you didn't want to have happened, have happened, right? Somebody hurt you. Somebody took advantage of you, right? You, you were very discouraged about this whole scenario. And that's understandable. And that's why we're, we're to come and meet with the Lord and bring those things to the Lord. Because we can't be sitting back. We can't be standing back because of what has or not happened in the past. Because we got to step into present ministry because of this, because of God's love it moves us to share that love with others. It's got to move us to share that love uh, with others. And here's the thing that just convinced of that we know from God's word is that sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, you know, what we just celebrated here just recently at Easter Sunday, we, we say encouraging with the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is good news. And it is actually loving people how God really got a hold of my heart with that is um, I was actually reading something uh, written by, uh, uh, there's a magician's called Penn and Teller. You can see a picture of these guys right here. Um, Penn and Teller, and Penn's the big guy, Teller's the smaller guy there. And uh, they're actually, I think they're in Vegas right now. They have a, a magic show that's continuous there. Um, but I was reading an article that Penn wrote. And here's the thing, if you don't know about uh, Penn, is that he's an atheist. And so he uh, blogs about it. He writes about it all the time. And, uh, but he wrote about a situation that happened to him at one of his magic shows. So you can just picture this. You know, they do the whole thing. And then afterwards, uh, they have some people come forward that then are sort of like come forward and, you know, can you know, thank them for doing it. And they're probably like, hey, how'd you do that? You know, card trick or whatever. And sort of want to know, you know, what's going on. But as a, as a gentleman came forward uh, next to Penn as he was uh, there, um, he proceeded to communicate to him like, hey, um, I'm here. I enjoyed the show. I'm so grateful for uh, being able to be here. But I just really feel like God put on my heart to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he just started to share that. And so think about this. Penn wrote this article. He writes that, man, right away, I'm like, man, I don't want this guy to continue to, to keep talking, right? I don't believe this or whatever. But here's the thing that he said was, I allowed him to keep talking because in the moment, I was convinced that he loved me. I was convinced the reason why he was sharing this wasn't just to get a check mark, right? Wasn't just like, hey, I'm just a, a number, but that the way he communicated was I was actually feeling loved in the moment. And so here's the thing. He then reflects on it, because after a while, he lets him talk. He's like, hey, thanks for sharing. I don't believe any of that, but, you know, I really believe that you're genuine in sharing it, so he encourages the guy. But he writes this article, like, at, you know, uh, later on that night, actually early in the morning, and then he reflects on that situation. And so as he's reflecting, here's what he reflects on, that, hey, I have a lot of family, I have a lot of friends that actually claim to believe what that guy just shared with me but they haven't shared that with me. And I can really only come to two conclusions. And these two conclusions are this. One is that they're just hypocrites. They say one thing, right? But they don't really believe it. They don't really live it. That really isn't what they have. And so that's one thing we don't want to be true at all, right? But here's, here's something even worse that he comes to realization, right? 
if they do actually believe it, do they really love me? He's like, what they believe is if I walked in front of a bus and I got hit by the bus, that I would go to hell for all of eternity. And they haven't even shared that with me. Do they really love me? And even going any farther, like, how much must they hate me to withhold that from me? And so, sisters and brothers, we gather together here. This is a reminder, right, that sharing the good news that we've been given, the eyes, our eyes being open to the truth that God's given to us, that it really is the loving thing to do. No matter someone believes it or not. So my question to you just this morning, right, as the body of Jesus Christ, is, someone, is God putting someone on your heart? Is there somebody on your heart that you have to truly love by sharing with them what you've been given? See, what does Jesus exhibit? Participation in ministry, stepping into present ministry. But here's the second example, perspective of ministry. The word to look out for the left out. Look out for the left out. Let's go into verse 14 and 15. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. See, here's the first thing to just point out. It just, it's easy to miss right away, right? But it says, as he passed by, he what? Come on, sisters and brothers, what? It, what he what? He saw. As he passed by, he saw. See, the first thing that Jesus uh, exhibits is that he sees Levi. He first, he actually sees him. See, Levi was a despised tax collector. You say, why, do, why is he despised as a tax collector? Well, at that time in, with the Jewish people, right, that he was actually working for the enemy, right, the Romans. He was collecting taxes for those that were occupying their, their country and their territory. And so he was taking their money and giving it to the Roman Empire, and then two is that a lot of times, because of their role, they were taking advantage. Tax collectors were known for taking advantage of people and actually overtaxing people because they're like, well, what can you do about it, right? I, I work for the big guys. And so among their own people, they were despised. And so just thinking about that, right? Just thinking about that, reflecting back, that's why uh, the religious leaders labeled Levi and others as sinners. But quick church, who are all we before receiving Christ? Sinners. And now if we've received Christ, we're sinners saved by grace, amen? And our identity now is found in what Christ has done for us, not what we have done. So Jesus sees Levi even though the religious leaders refuse to. Here's the second thing is Jesus sits down with Levi. He takes it even farther. You see that here. As he reclined at, at table in his house, 
So just, just in that as well, that's, a, that's actually a very informal thing. You could sit straight up, but if you were reclining, that was an informal thing of, like we would use the term like hanging out. We're just hanging out together. Jesus was just hanging out with the tax collectors and all that were there that were gathered uh, together. That's what he was doing. You can definitely describe this as not a holy huddle, right? That was the situation that was going on here. But here's the thing. We have to know this, church, is that Jesus sees people right where they're at. Jesus sees people right where they are at. And here's the thing that sometimes can happen is, it gets in the way is sometimes we want to see people where we think they should be. See, Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't put that on them, that thinking about where he thinks they should be. He loves them right where they are at. And here's the other thing. He doesn't put preconditions on getting together with them, that they're going to change or they're going to think or believe the way that he is. He just loves them right where they're at. That's what he exhibits. See, why did Jesus do that? Why was he willing to just love them right where they were at? Because church, we got to know this and believe this. Because he knows that he is who they need. Jesus knows that he is who they need. Not different thinking, not strategy or anything else, but he is who they need. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He knows he is who they need. And Jesus moves powerfully right here in Mark chapter 2, where we can uh, see that, right? Because he said, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Levi did that. See, here's the thing is that uh, many people at that time uh, had, had multiple names. So sometimes you might have two names. So Levi actually had two names. So it would, it would emphasize their connection of the town they lived in or the region they were at. So one of the Levi's names is Levi, obviously, but his other name is Matthew. So Levi, Matthew, the same person, two different names. And as Jesus calls Levi, the despised tax collector, to follow him, then he does. But he doesn't just do that in a moment. Levi Matthew follows him the rest of his life. So much so that through the Spirit, Matthew writes the first gospel that's included in our Bible. And it comes from Jesus loving him right where he was at and being present with him, and then Matthew, Levi, receiving what it is that he could only get from Jesus. And then Jesus totally transforms him so much that he's used to write a book of the Bible right here. See, Jesus is who everyone needs before anything else. We just got to get it out. Before anything else, Jesus is who everyone needs. So what does Jesus expect of us? The same thing, that we would look out for others. Again, Jesus does that right here. He sees and sits down with Levi. He sees people as made in God's image. 
See, he wasn't looking at Levi Matthew with just his title as a tax collector, right? Jesus was aware that he was a tax collector, but he wasn't seeing him as a tax collector, as a sinner. He was seeing him as made in the image of God. And so we have to do the same thing, right? We can put labels on people. We can look at it and say, oh, you're this, you're that. The whole world is trying to get us to say us and them, right? But that's not how Jesus saw people in any shape or form. And so that's how we need to see people as made in God's image. And we are to love them right where they are at. See, church, we must see others. And we're grateful to be together here, right, in this gathering. I am so glad to be here. But we have to. We have to go outside of this holy huddle. We just can't keep what's happening here, right here. It has to go outside of us. And just a reminder for us to be picturing, to be thinking about whatever the Spirit would want to put on our hearts and minds, each and every one of us here. Here's, here's one area, those who don't have Christ. A reminder again, there's just two kinds of people spiritually. One kind of people are the people that have just received a free gift, that's given to us in Christ. That's all that we have done by God's grace we have, if we have. But then those that haven't received the gift, that gift is available to them. God loves them, and that gift is available to them. There's just those two kinds of people spiritually. There's also people that are different than you, different life backgrounds, race, ethnicity, right? Their cultural context, right, are different than you. We've got to see people. We've got to see people. Here's a, another category, those who disagree with you. We've got to see those that disagree with you. Political stances, right? Lifestyle decisions. We need to see people. We don't avoid people. We see people. Moral convictions, social agenda opinions, we can disagree, but we need to see people. See, this passage is not uh, meant to break down all the truths God's word would have for us to navigate even the challenges and complexities of the things I just talked about, right? God's word does have those teachings, and we are to have our convictions. But sisters and brothers, that's not the focus of this passage, what Jesus wants to make the focus is the perspective that we should have. What is it that we are seeing? So let's break this down of how to live this out together, doing what Jesus did. Let's, uh, let's just, I'm going to put this up here right now. This is maybe just an idea we've uh, done this before about your mission, where is that God has called you, right? So just be thinking about my family, right? That's the core target, right? My friends, my associates, my neighbors, right? God has uniquely placed you in places no one else is in altogether at the same time. And so who is it that the Lord would have for you to see? Who is it that you're missing out on? That's what the Lord would be calling us to do. And so this should be our prayer. Lord, help me to see whoever it is that you want me to see. See, when we're seeking to follow Christ, 
We must not do what many Christians do. And here, I'll just term it this way, convenient condemnation. Convenient condemnation. See, what's one of the uh, pillars of convenient condemnation is just plain ignorance. It's being okay, not really knowing somebody's situation, not knowing their story and what really is going on with them, not being really uh, taking the time to see them as made in God's image, and just being okay with being ignorant and condemning people or avoiding people or attacking people. That's one of the pillars of convenient condemnation. It's just too easy to do this, right? Just be ignorant. I'm just going to judge people. Hey, they should be better than they are. Or, I, you know, I, I, I'm not that way. I'm glad I'm not that way, right? Here's the, here's the second pillar of convenient condemnation, arrogance. Arrogance is not understanding. understanding is by God's grace alone, God's grace alone, that we have anything to point to. It's through his work that we receive for free that we don't deserve. But here's the thing. If we live in ignorance and we live in arrogance, it is so destructive. Convenient combination comes easy. But saints, we know that, right? That's not what Jesus exhibits. What does he exhibit? And here I'll just term it as this, inconvenient determination. Inconvenient determination. That's what Jesus showed. That's what he exhibited. We must determine that we will know others first. Before we judge, before we avoid, before whatever, that we are going to determine to know others, that we are going to listen, that we are going to learn about those made in God's image, no matter where they're at, because we are determined not just to see them, but also love them where they're at. That's inconvenient determination that Jesus did all the time. He could have just held out, hung out with the religious leaders in the holy huddle, but that's not what he exhibited in any way. Jesus loves people right where they're at. And I just want to encourage us to not miss out on doing the very same thing. See, what I love is uh, show up at uh, service here on a Sunday and uh, see uh, uh, people in our church that have uh, youth with them. Sometimes they have youth with them. Uh, you know, we have our SLAM outreach ministry that meets just a few blocks down here. Yeah, I already hear the hollers out here. That's all right. Uh, SLAM West, you know. And, uh, and so many uh, people in our church, they are connecting with youth right here, right here in Austin, going to Michelle Clark High School, going to Al Raby High School here on the west side, and they are loving youth right where they're at. We have a youth ministry right here. And so I saw some of our youth leaders last night, and they had some of the youth uh, from our church with them, and they are loving youth right where they are at. 
And so that is what God's called us to do. What are, what are these youth leaders doing? They are listening to these students, right? They're seeking to know them and to love them. May we follow that example, right? In every way. See, we must embrace these two powerful truths. See, here's the privilege that we get to step into if we live this out. Here's the first one, is when we love people right where they are at, we bring Christ to them. We bring Christ to them. We say, Pastor, why is that true? Colossians 1.27 says this, right? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, when these, when these youth leaders are sitting down with students, it is Christ in them that's present with the student, whether the student knows the Lord or, or not, right? They're bringing Christ right into the situation. You know, Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, right? I'm looking at a bunch of crucified spiritual people, but it is Christ who lives in me. And so when we do this, we practice this, we literally bring Christ right into the situation. Amen. How powerful is that truth? Here's the second thing, is that we don't save or transform others, only he does. See, we don't save or transform others, only he does, only he can do that. So praise God that he can do that because we can't do it. But also praise God, that's also not our responsibility. And we don't have to own that. Now, I know this because it's happened to me. The enemy gets us right away when, when something doesn't go down the way we want it to go down and someone doesn't believe or someone doesn't respond to us in a way that we were hoping for. Here's the thing. It's not about us, right? It's about God. And this is, we just like, hey, well, that's up to you now, right? That's literally what we can do. God, I'm going to be faithful, whatever, but only you can work in that situation, right? So here's just a loving thing for all of us, and I'm right here to receive it as well. If you're still waiting for the Lord to move in a situation, just stay faithful. Just stay faithful. You've seen him move before in different ways. He's just asking you to stay faithful to what it is that he's exhibited, what it is he's called us to. And so let's commit to being faithful to anything that the Lord would be bringing to us here. Well, let's, let's read specifically what we are being called to live out. I love 1 John uh, 4, 19. Let's, uh, let's read this together. We love, can we state this all out together? We love because he first loved us. That's the simple thing that it is. We love because he first loved us. And here's the thing. Let's not underestimate the power of genuine love being shown to others. Let's not underestimate that power that happens when we show genuine love to others. And uh, here's a great thing about the privilege of being a pastor here and being around all the time during the week and, and being around to connect with people and talk to people before after service and during the week. Here's the thing I would just say, many people say this, that 
the first time I walked up into a service at Chicago West, the first time I was leaving a service at Chicago West, I felt truly loved. Amen, right? That's what we want, right? Is by the Spirit that because he loves us first, that we can then love. This needs to be a loving place that we are loving people right where they are at. In church, it's happening. <laughs> Let's praise God for that. Let's do that together. Now, what I'm not saying is that we've arrived, that we're doing that perfectly in any way. Let's keep getting after that, right? I love hearing from people who have been at church two or three years and saying, hey, I got in a community group. I was, a, I was in a women's ministry event, and people got to know me and loved me and did life with me, and I went through some hard times, and they came alongside of me, and I really believe that they were committed to me. Those are the kind of stories, right, that we want. And we want people showing up here because they got loved out there, and then they got brought here just as well. So that is what God has called us to do. See, Jesus expects what he exhibits. Participation in ministry, perspective of ministry, and here's our last one in verses 16 and 17, priority for ministry. Priority for ministry, that we are called to those in need. Let's read verses 16 and 17. And the scribes of the Pharisees when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus calls them out now. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So what I want us to do here in this moment is just uh, picture this. Got a little picture to help us. Just picture a hospital. All right, picture a hospital. Think about a hospital, what's going on there, things like that. I'm, I'm very grateful for an emergency room back in the day when I was uh, uh, between my eighth grade and ninth grade year uh, of high school. I was uh, uh, riding a dirt bike through a field. It was uh, grass and uh, Next thing I remember is I'm up in the air, and the bike is still on the ground. And the next thing I remember is uh, just being la I'm laying down next to a tree. And I'm like, man, what just happened? I was like, I don't know. And then uh, I was like, man, my arm hurts. Uh, yeah, my arm really hurts. And then I, I looked down, and literally it was like I had a second wrist. So I'm, I'm sorry. But, uh, but, it, <laughs> but it did happen. It's funny because, you know, there's, there's people who be like, oh, and there's people like, that's cool. Uh, I, I love it. Both, both are going on here at the same time. Uh, but man, when, when my arm was just straight up broke, right, I was so grateful that I could go to an emergency room and that, that where I was hurting what was going on, that that could be addressed. See, this is what Jesus is saying, right, that we, as the body of Christ, that that is what we are to be, right, is that we are to be a hospital. We are to be a hospital. This is our calling to all those in need. See, we are to be the people that those who are hurting 
can come to. People that are not in the church yet, right? Outside these walls, but also people inside these walls. We need to be a hospital that is coming alongside of each other. I love our core value uh, that says this, that we want to be an authentic and gracious community. See, people only will come in and say that they're hurting when they know that they will be loved. People are only going to share what's really going on with them when they know that you see them and love them first, when you've taken the time to do that. And so we need to be a gracious community, and then we'll have authenticity, right? We'll have transparency, and people will be real. See, what I love is that we are mobile, right? So we can bring a hospital anywhere that God calls us to, right to the place of need. Well, here's our last challenge as we get ready to close this. What stops the children of God from being a hospital for God? What stops the children of God from being a hospital for God? Here's a statement. Being religious about God over being real in God. Being religious about God before being real in God. See, the most religious people around at this time, we find them right here in verse 16. See, this is what they're seeing. They're seeing sinners and tax collectors, and they're wondering what in the world is Jesus and the disciples doing hanging out with them. See, they were being religious about God, but they didn't have a real thing with God. See, here's a second statement is this, self-righteousness for God has no place with God. Self-righteousness for God has no place with God. See, a lot of times that's what the world has experienced. They've experienced those that are self-righteous. But that literally has no place with God. Jesus' harshest words throughout the New Testament that, we'll, that we see here are for religious people, the leaders, their harshest words. And it's because he's calling out their self-righteousness as he's doing right here in verse 17. He's saying, I'm here for those who are in need of a physician. You don't believe you need anything because you're self-righteous. You, you're, you're saying you don't need me. I'm, uh, I'm going to be there for those that need me. And literally, he's calling them out in the moment. Because here's the last thing that's true statement, is that humble brokenness before God brings righteousness through God's son, Jesus. See, that's how it works. Humble brokenness before God brings righteousness through God's son, Jesus. Just thought of Ephesians 2.8, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That is what we can receive. And if you're here today and you know you've received that, praise God, right? We should be living that out. If you're not sure that you've received that or you know that you haven't and you'd like to explore that, you'd like to talk about that, there's nothing better that the people that are in here that have that relationship with the Lord would love to do.
share that with you. Because here's the truth that we'll just do as we close. Finding and receiving God's grace that we don't deserve and couldn't earn, that is the Christian life. Knowing and embracing his calling to offer the same to all others, to all others, that is the calling of the Christian life. Christ, we are fully pursuing living out our calling when we do this. This is what we do when we're fully living out our calling. We participate in God's pursuit to share his love. See, we we just get to participate in his already pursuit of the people that he wants to demonstrate his love to. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, right? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We before you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. See, he's the one appealing through us, right? We're just participating in his process. And here's what's true. We experience the power of God in our life when we allow him to appeal through us. We grow in our personal relationship with Christ. You seen that happen, sister? You seen that happen, brother? When we give away what it is that we've been given, we actually grow in Christ. How great for us to remember that Good Friday was just a little over a week ago and a reminder of the price that was paid for us. And Easter and Resurrection Sunday, right, celebrating Jesus' victory over sin and death. But also this word is a reminder to not just let the calendar bring that back around and how that we live that out. It's not just something that we believe, right? But that Jesus has exhibited, and he expects us to live this out. And so as we close, let me pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this truth this morning. Lord, that we would just really hear from you. We thank you for the example that Jesus stepped away to connect with you, our Father. Lord, I pray just even right now in this moment, Lord, will we be moved to more pressing into you? We so desperately need you. We need to be filled with your grace. We need to be filled with your truth. And literally, we have no business trying to Uh, serve others and minister to others if we don't have that from you. But that's what we want to give away to others. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, would you help us to, to participate in the ministry that you have for us? But would you give us the perspective that you would have for us to see those that you'd have for us to see? Lord, that you even move in our hearts right now Uh, those that are family, friends, neighbors, acquaintances, those we work with, those that we go to school with, that we truly would love them and sharing what has been given to us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that that's what we would do and we would just make it a priority, Lord, for us to be a hospital. Lord, help us to be a hospital Lord, right here in this moment, help us to be a hospital when we go out spiritually and what it is that you have called us to. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we can embrace this all together and know, Lord, if you are for us, who can be against us? 
And we pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Chicago West Sunday Service. Join us next week.